You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. ESPN New York, so much to do on this Sunday afternoon. Hopefully you're having a fantastic weekend. I am with you until 3. Of course, the number, you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. But more importantly, right here with you for the next three hours. So lots of stuff to do on this Sunday afternoon. We will keep an eye on that PGA Championship. The final round. Can Phil Mickelson pull it off? Phil is trying to become the oldest winner of a major in the history of golf, which is not like a small amount of time, right? And I got to be honest, I watched a little bit of it yesterday. I was watching some of the coverage. It's a little depressing when you're the same age as the guy that they keep like focusing on his age and being like, wow, can this old man make history? How is he able to do it? I'm surprised he can basically even walk. This decrepit old guy, he's 50. Let's see if he can get it done. So I'm pulling for Phil today, and uh, we'll see if he gets it done. The leaders don't tee off there until uh, about 2.30 this afternoon, so we'll keep an eye on that. Obviously, We'll get to the Yankees and the Mets. Boy, what a week for both, right? Mets, the gutty, gritty New York Mets winning with guys that a lot of time, even up until this week, you say, who? Who is this guy? So uh, the Mets have had a very good week overall. And the Yankees, I mean, a week for the history. They're throwing no hitters. They're turning triple plays. But, of course, where we begin today, and certainly want to hear from the Nick fans at 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Because congratulations, Nick fans, you made it. To go from the regular season where it felt like there was, maybe not every other day, but it feels like, you know, the, in the regular season there's a rhythm to the basketball season where you play a game, you have a day off, maybe you have two days off. But, you know, you, you know that there's going to be a regular rotation in the course of a week of when games are going to take place. So to go from the regular season where you have that regular rotation to now a full week where it feels like the Knicks have not played in forever. But we made it, Nick fans. Today is your day, and the excitement level has to be through the roof. You know, it's not just that it's been eight years since the Knicks have been in the playoffs, but think about what you have had to deal with in those eight years. And really, it's more than eight years because you want a playoff series, the 54-win season. But outside of that year, the Knicks, that's the only playoff series the Knicks have won in basically 20. So from that 54-win season to missing the playoffs the next year, the disastrous hiring of Phil Jackson and all the following disasters where it was like falling down a flight of stairs where the disasters were just a regular thing. The Derek Fisher hiring, to Jeff Hornacek, to David Fisdale, to last year where you won 21 games, and last year where the season ended abruptly and nobody was complaining, right? Like all of a sudden, because of COVID, the next season ended. They were not one of the teams that went to the bubble. And I think everybody was like, yeah, you know, it's just as well. We, we, we don't need to uh, keep playing out the next season. So even the 54-win season, it was great, but it was here today gone tomorrow, and that was supposed to be the jumping-off point, right? You thought that at that point with Mello and everything else, and it was here today, gone tomorrow. So you have to keep in mind that it's not just been eight years since the Knicks been in the playoffs. It feels longer than that because most of those eight seasons, if not all of them, you were a punching bag. You were a punchline 
in NBA circles. And now this year, your team is is finally punching back, and no one is laughing at the Knicks anymore. So tonight it's game one, Knicks and Hawks. Of course, you can hear the game right here, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York, your home for obviously the Knicks' entire postseason run. Our coverage gets underway 6.30, just to kind of set the scene for you today. A lot of NBA playoffs here on 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. I'm with you until 3. Then we'll have Suns-Lakers. They'll go at it. And then after them, obviously, the Knicks and Hawks. And I can't wait for the game tonight, obviously. But I think that the first thing that I'm looking forward to, the fact that there's going to be 15,000 Nick fans in attendance, I think is going to be absolutely fantastic. And I would not be surprised because it's been so long if the energy of the garden crowd even surprises the players, right? Like you'll hear the players from time to time when they've had the reduced capacity and, and when the fans finally were able to get back in the building altogether, you'll hear players say, you know, nice things about the fans. And, you know, they, they felt like there was more than there were here. And, you know, the 3000 made it feel like a full house tonight. There will actually be 15,000 people in attendance. And it's been even longer since, like, even when the Knicks had 15,000 before COVID, it wasn't like they were given a whole lot to cheer about. So uh, I think that how many guys on this team have had real experience with how loud the Garden can be and clearly today will be. Now, look, it obviously depends on how the Knicks play, but you know Knicks fans are jacked up for game one of the playoffs, home court advantage and I think that this will be a little bit of a new experience for R.J. Barrett and and quickly and Toppin but even the guys who are veterans right like Randall or Bullock or Burks I'm not sure they're prepared for what Nick fans are ready to unleash at least the Nick fans that I know that are going to the game today they are ready to explode so a very exciting game one for the Knicks today and we'll see how this season and this series plays out but uh, both teams it's kind of hard to know because like what you expect from this series, because a, you have a matchup, which is the four or five. So clearly the two teams, they had the exact same record during the regular season. And they're two teams that there's not really anything to base it on. Like in terms of playoff history, because they both don't have a whole lot of it. So, you know, where the experience is for the Knicks and that experience, I think that you rely on the most is with Tom Thibodeau, right? Like, he has been around the block. He has been, he knows what the Garden can be like, right? He does have experience. So, I think he knows what the energy in the building is going to be like tonight. And I think it is going to be electric. So, I want to hear from Nick fans. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. So, I got to get into what you're expecting for tonight. How you're going to keep yourself occupied until opening tip. Because it feels like this weight has been forever, right? To go a full week where you're seeing, you know, the play-in games were exciting and those are obviously now here to stay, right? Like you're, the, the play-ins are now part of the NBA. And while there might've been some question about, you know, how will these play out and, and will this be a long-term thing? I think the way that they did play out, not just some of the matchups that you got, you know now that those are going to, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see other sports, like I could definitely see that that format translating to other sports you know baseball <laughs> baseball will be looking to add that before too long as well so uh super excited about the knicks 
And I want to hear from you. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So let's get some calls in right off the bat. We'll get into what the you know what to expect for tonight and what I expect in this series. But I want to hear from some Nick fans right off the jump. 1-800-919-ESPN. Let's go to John is in Jersey City. John, you're first up on ESPN. Hey, how you doing? Hey, John, what's going on, man? You got a lot going on over there, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm by the train station. But um, so listen, man, the, the Knicks are back. You know, I was just telling my, my son how you see how a competent front office and a good coach can just turn things around. And and the Knicks are not the most talented, but you give me you give me those guys that that got heart and they willing to fight. You give me those guys and let's see what we can do. We'll go to the trenches and let's see what we can do. Even if yeah. they lose, even if they lose the series, and I don't think that they will, I'm still proud of them because I got something to look forward to the next year. Yeah, look, John. Thanks for the phone call. Yeah, I definitely think that barring some sort of just collapse in the playoffs. Uh, I think that you will look back whenever the next season is over, even if they were to lose this series, you will look back on this season as being a monumental success coming from where they've come from. And really before they've made any major changes, right? Like you take a look, it's essentially the same team. It's essentially the same roster. And you've, you've just brought in, you know, their big off season acquisition was the coach. And um, what the Knicks have been able to do in this first season has been absolutely astounding. And when you talk about the playoffs, right, like the Knicks and Hawks, both don't have a lot of playoff experience. They have a couple, you know, basically for the Knicks, it's Derrick Rose who has, you know, long-term playoff experience. The Hawks have a couple of guys. Capella has some playoff experience and and Gallinari. But um, the way the Knicks play on a night-in, night-out basis gives me confidence that it will not be a shock to their system. Like the way that Thibodeau has them prepare and, and the intensity they bring every single night, that's a playoff intensity. And that's the, that's the appeal of Thibodeau, right? Like his appeal is that he is going to maximize at every turn what his advantages are. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to pace himself. When you hired him, you knew right away he was going to come in here and try to squeeze every bit of juice out of the piece of fruit. This was not about rebuilding over the slow. This is not about necessarily development over the long haul. This was about win now. And I think that his intensity and his approach should have the Knicks as prepared as they possibly can be heading into this playoff series. Let's go to Pete is in Palm Beach. Pete, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, living the dream, man. This this has been years. It's going to be rocking tonight at the Garden. I'm psyched. You know, everybody's talking about one and done. Forget it. Let them live their dream out, man. Let them play hard. Let's get the city excited again. We haven't had this since 9-11. So let's go with the COVID first pal back. Let's go rock. All right, Pete. No, uh, Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you might be in Palm Beach. Uh, the city is excited. I mean, Nick fans are ready to burst waiting for this game and waiting for the series and, and, and what to expect. So uh, the le- you never have to worry about Nick fans bringing any excitement. You never have to worry about Nick. Now, sometimes it's delusional excitement. And, and for some of them coming into this year, expecting like as, as much as you got this year would have, I thought at the time was going to be delusional excitement, but it's, it's happened. And they are not just the four seed. I do think that they are the fourth best team in the East this year. And this was the matchup that you – this is your best matchup, clearly, facing the Hawks in the opening round of the playoffs. This is a series that the Knicks can absolutely win 
Now, it's not a guarantee. They have to go out there and execute. But this is the best matchup. If you want a Knicks team to not only get to the playoffs, but experience success in the playoffs, this was the matchup you wanted. And this is the one you got. And now tonight we get to see whether or not they can carry it out. It's not a guarantee because the Hawks, they have some, they have some advantages as well. This is not going to be a quick series. I think it's going to be a long series. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. On Monday, the Michael K Show will give away a pair of Brooklyn Nets versus Celtics tickets for game number two. Obviously, the Nets getting uh, the, the win uh, in game number one. I also should mention... I have it here somewhere. They wanted me to make sure that I mentioned the MSG Network's expanded coverage begins tonight for Knicks game one against the Hawks. 6 p.m. tonight, expanded coverage on MSG Network, leading you right into game one at 7 o'clock with the Hall of Famers, Mike Breen and Walt Clyde Frazier on the call. So there you go. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3. Seven seven six. So in terms of what I think this series will mean, I do think it's going to be a long series, uh, and I do think that the Knicks will win this series. The Knicks, I think, are the less talented team, but I think that they are better prepared. The fact that Tom Thibodeau will know what to expect, right? Like he's had playoff success before uh, and, and, and has coached the Knicks almost like, especially down the stretch of the season, like it was already, they were already in the playoffs. I expect them to be better prepared and have a better expectation of, of what actually is coming their way in this series. Now, I don't think it's going to be a walk. As I said, I think the Knicks are going to win in seven. The fact that they have the home court um, does matter. I don't think you can take a whole lot away from the season series, even though the Knicks were able to sweep that. And it is important because, because you swept that. That's the reason why you will have home court in this series. But two of those games, Nate McMillan was not even the coach yet. And the third game, Trey Young was banged up. Uh, and left, I think, in the second, was it the second half? He definitely didn't play in the second half, or maybe he did for a little bit, but he left in the second half, and then the Knicks won the game in overtime. So, again, this is the best matchup the Knicks could have hoped for. You didn't want to face off against the top three. You weren't winning that series. The Heat was one you wanted to avoid. So, I, to me, I'm interested, and while I do think that the Hawks overall are the more talented team, I want to see how the Hawks try to defend Randall. Because they couldn't do it during the regular season. This year, he had, I think, three games where he scored 40 or more. And two of those games came against the Hawks. So I think he is going to have a big series. Look, he needs to have a big series. He is the guy for the Knicks that makes the whole thing run. And it's not to say that he's the only important piece, but he is the most important piece. And if you are having a draft uh, of the, all the players that are involved in this series, to me, Julius Randle would be the number one pick. And uh, how the Hawks, if they are able to guard him, uh, I think that that's the most important key in this series. Because if the Hawks don't do a better job of it in the postseason than they did in the regular season, uh, I don't know that all the other questions are going to matter all that much. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. We're focusing on the Knicks. Let's go back to the phones. And we will go uh, to Mike is in Queens. Mike, what's going on, pal? Hey, what's going on, Gordon? Man. Let me tell you, I'm a, I'm a huge basketball fan. I love the game. I love NBA basketball. And I love playoff time, but it's it's hitting a lot different this year now that I have a horse in the race. I'm telling you, I, I haven't been excited this excited for the playoffs since that 2013 team. So, you know, I, I'm really excited. And, you know, you touched on it already. 
at this this series is not going to be a walk in the park. I do expect it to go six or seven, um, but I, I do believe that we have we, we'll have a little bit of an advantage coaching wise, uh, you know, preparation wise. I think we'll pull it off. Very very excited. Um, you know, they're, 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 we got the, the the crowd behind us. You know, there's a little little bit more people in the audience, so that's nice little six man right there. And you know, like I said, it's just. It's hitting a lot different this time around now that I actually have a a team that I'm invested in actually playing for something. So it's been amazing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and thanks for the call, Mike. Yeah, of course. Right. Like when your team is in it, you might love the sport. Like I love football and I can watch uh, a random game on a random day with any. You could pick two teams out of the hat if it's an NFL game and I'm going to sit there and watch it. Now, it's been a very, very, very long time since the Dolphins have had important games. But if they, I mean, if and if and when they ever get back into the postseason and have a chance to win a postseason game, of course, when you have you have skin in the game, and the Knicks are not just in the playoffs. You know, it'd be one thing in this first year if they just made their way in, right? Like if they made it as one of the play-in teams and won their play-in game and then got into a postseason series you would look at it as the finish line. You would look at it as, hey, we made it. This, this was the goal, and we've made the goal. The Knicks have made the goal, but the goal is not done. This is a winnable series. Now, I'm not going to tell you if they lost this series that it would be crushing because I think these are two very close teams. I have to see how it plays out. But at no point can you say at this point that the, the goal has been reached and for sure um, they can't do more. I mean, I still think that if you get the matchup you want, you have to go out there and show that you match up well, right? You can't go out there and, and lose a series in, in five in five games to the Hawks because if that were to happen, that would be a sign that even though you were the higher seed, you were, you were not as good. <laughs> you're, not, you're, not a, you're a lot further away from competing for what you really want. Now, look, after this year, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be some changes. This is, this is why the excitement level is so high at this point, because you feel like this is just the first step and it's a great first step. It's a huge, I mean, this is like leaping four steps up the stairs from where you thought it was going to be, but it's not done yet. And I think that that's why the excitement level is there. It's not just that the Knicks are in the playoffs, but they have a chance to make some noise in this playoffs and think about it, right? Like think about, all the slings and arrows that Nick fans have had to deal with through the years to be now ready to make some noise in the playoffs. This is what you want. It's not just about being there. You're not just a, a passenger on the ride. You are driving the bus. Let's go out to uh, Artie is in Brooklyn. Artie, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hey, Gordon. How are you? Yeah, I just want to continue with the Knicks thing. I think I would have I'd be more um, enthusiastic, I guess, or mm-hmm. like I'm looking forward to the series. Don't get me wrong. But, and they had a great year. But if you look at the team, if they win in the championship, then I win in the championship with Rose Bullock. Oh, no, of course Burks, not. Who played no, a major not. role on this team, and they're not going to be the future. And I think that if the Knicks didn't play as well, a lot of criticism would have went their way with the Toppin pick. If he, he can't – I don't see them picking Toppin and then saying Randall was going to be on this team. He just – was a, um, he's amazing. He's our MVP. But my question to you is, is Randall a one on a championship team, a two on a championship team, or a three? I think he's a three. And then we, me and my friends had a discussion on Golden State. He says, I think it's time to rebuild. I said, they get Thompson back. They said, 
So what's the big deal about Thompson? I think Thompson would be the best player on the Knicks. And I say that because it's such a, a shooting guard league. And I think that the Knicks, as great a year as they had, they don't shoot the ball well enough. And is R.J. Barrett going to be a number two? I want to get your opinion on that. All right. Well, look, uh, already thanks for the phone call. I, I think that Randall, um, can he be the best player on a championship-level team? Well, maybe, but the, the next guy has to be pretty close to that number one as well. Like, it almost has to flip-flop who's the 1A and who's the 1B. It's tough to really know what Randall you have from this point forward because this year he has been amazing, and I do think that he absolutely deserves to be in the MVP conversation based on the fact of where would the Knicks be without him. Uh, but I don't know that this is – you have to first answer the question. I don't know that there's any way to answer it at this point is – is this now the Randall that he is going to be for the rest of his career? Because if this is the, if, if what you saw this year is the Randall you're going to get moving forward, well, I think he can be uh, the best player on a championship-level team. It's, but it's about you're going to have to obviously improve the other talent, right? Like the Knicks are not as talented as the Hawks. If, I, if I'm saying that, and I did, then obviously they have to improve the talent to be a championship-level team because the Hawks are not a championship-level team. But again... I do think that you're, and I love Artie's call, but you're kind of jumping a little bit ahead of the game. Like the Knicks, this is step one. This is where you want to be after the first season, right? Like in the playoffs and not just in the playoff mix, legitimately a playoff contender, right? Like the Knicks can win a playoff series, something that they've done once over the last 20 years. So, there, yeah, there's going to be more building to come after this year. But let's stay in the present right now. Let's, just, like, let's enjoy the ride. You haven't had many rides. Like, it would be, you know, the, you take the dog out for a ride, and he's all excited to get in the car, and you're already thinking about the ride three weeks from now. I haven't had a ride in the car in 20 years. Let me just enjoy this ride for a little bit before we start worrying about the other ones down the road. Let's go to uh, Sean is in the Bronx. Sean, you're next up on ESPN New York. Good afternoon, Gordon. What's going on? Um, hey, Sean. How are you? So, the only thing, that my concern is out of with Thibodeau's going to the Knicks in the playoffs is he's known for taking 110% out of his players throughout the regular season when we saw that with the Bulls and everything. So, when you go into the playoffs, do they have 115%? Do you have another level? I don't, and I don't know that about these Knicks because we saw the best career we've ever seen out of Julius. So, he was already at 110%. Can he go to 111, 112? for this playoff series and can the other guys. That would be the only concern I have going forward with this team and Thibodeau in the playoffs. Well, look, and Sean, I get it. Uh, and thanks for the phone call. Um, you've had a week off, right? Like the way that the NBA spaces out these playoff games, you're going to have a lot of time in between games. I mean, the first round, it feels like it takes, <laughs> feels like it takes two months just to get through the first round of the playoffs. So um, there's a, there's a lot of time to rest. And it didn't seem like, like the Knicks, we're getting stronger down the stretch of the season, right? They won 16 of their last 20 games. They were playing at that point better than they did at any other point in the season. So if it does turn out, I know that that's the reputation of, of, of Tibbs, and, and that was one of my criticisms as well before they, they made the move, and obviously uh, it was uh, completely wrong. If the Knicks go on and lose this series – Granted, you'll have to see how it plays out, but I don't look at it right now as this is a team that's out of gas 
going into the postseason. If they end up losing this series to the Hawks, it will be because I think they weren't as good a team as the Hawks. The, the Hawks just have a more diverse offensive game, and they can, they can score a little bit more effectively than the Knicks can. I don't think it will be, well, you know what? It was a case of Tibbs grinding them down to the fine powder during the regular season, and then when the po- postseason began, they had nothing left. The Knicks seem like they are ready to roll here for this, uh, for this series. And having a full week off and all the time you have in between games, you can't use that as an excuse to me. Uh, let's go out to Emmanuel is in Flushing. Emmanuel, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hey, Gordon, how you doing? I'm good, man. What's going on? I'm good. I think it's going to be a full series. It's going to be a tight series, to be honest, because the Hawks, like you, like you said, they're, just, they're not post over. They can... They can score. They can score easily at you if you don't. If you if you underestimate them. But I think I think I don't think any of the day. I just thought he's the best Knicks team we've seen outside of 2013. If you look at it, prior to that, they reached the playoffs like the last 20 years, like four times, including three straight in the early 2010s. The one best season was 2013. And this Knicks team, you know, this Knicks team, nobody really expects them in the playoffs because they kind of remind me of Brooklyn two years ago. And if they, if they can keep this up, if they get to the second round, which hopefully I think it, it could make some noise. It may affect uh, um, soon-to-be free agents or, or players, the disgruntled players. Uh, you mean for the future, you know, attracting that guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that yeah. they've already kind of accomplished that. And, and Manny, thanks for the phone call. Um, I, I do think. Now, look, it's going to obviously depend on who that, that, that disgruntled superstar is or who it is that they uh, identify as the guy that they're going to target. But – the, the reason why the Knicks couldn't attract any superstars was twofold. One was they didn't have a whole lot of talent on the roster, and they did seem like that they were a completely dysfunctional organization. Both of those things, and even before this season, we know how it ends. I think that they have been able to, to end those, um, both of those aspects of the team, right? Like now that you have Julius Randle, we can debate whether or not how much of this is going to carry on. Is he, is he a changed player and this is the guy who's going to be? He's a legitimate star player. <laughs> he's going to get MVP votes this year. So, And you take a look at the rest of the roster, the way it's developed with R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and, and even Toppin, who at one point this year seemed completely lost, and then down the stretch of the season, you were starting to see the development there. So I think that they have been able to end the perception that they are just a rudderless ship that's going absolutely no place and nobody wants to play there. And they have shown that not only is the front office and the coach now competent, the roster is pretty competent too. And if you now add a big piece, and I don't know what piece that is, but if you add a big piece to this team after the, the, the leap that they have made this year, well, then, then you're talking about making that next leap. Then you're talking about being the perennial playoff contender that's not just looking to make the playoffs and maybe win a playoff series, but be able to go deep into a postseason run. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. You know, what's a little dangerous is when you have a Saturday off and you don't have any plans. And you sit out in the back patio and you uh, have an adult beverage or two. And then Sunday, when the, the golf major is on, and of course the PGA Championship, and you happen to take a look <laughs> at your active bets on FanDuel, and you see, wait a second, I have money on him? I don't remember doing that. So what I'm saying is congratulations to uh, Kevin Streelman, and he's had a fantastic job so far. And if he can just kind of pick it up a little bit, 
the, the Damer household will be uh, very excited. And uh, look, as we are heading into this uh, final round, Kevin Streelman is fourth place. Now, the, the leaders don't tee off for another couple of hours. But I guess this should be uh, the 98.7 leaderboard update brought to you by Miomi Wines. Miomi, the official wine of the PGA Tour. Enjoy the taste of Miomi, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, or Rosé at home on the back patio like I do. Order online and get home delivery through Drizzly today. Please enjoy their wines responsibly. Mm, well, Gordon, I don't know. Miomi Wines. How do you say this? Acapan? How do we, how do we pronounce that word there? We don't have a, a, a word pronunciation guy. Acampaco, California? I don't know. <laughs> All right, so there you go. There's your leaderboard update. And, of course, Phil Mickelson, the decrepit old man, as they kept uh, you know, basically pointing out yesterday, that 50 years old. How does he do it? How is he able to walk around? the? He's 50. Let's, uh, you know, let's give him a little respect. Uh, Phil Mickelson takes the one-shot lead into the final round today over Brooks Kepka. He leads by two over Louis Oosthuizen. And then our guy, Kevin Streelman, who, I'll be honest with you, if he walked into my house right now, I probably wouldn't know him. But back patio, you know, sometimes things happen. So we'll see if Kevin Streelman can pull off uh, the win. Obviously, one 800 espn is the telephone number. We've been talking a lot uh, about the Knicks. Knicks-Hawks tonight. Our pregame coverage right here on 98.7 FM uh, comes up at 6.30 tonight. So obviously, the Knicks have been a big story. And uh, the excitement level, very, very high. So we'll continue to talk next, 1-800-919-ESPN, and just how you are getting through your day and waiting until 7 o'clock. Like, it feels like the wait, the full week in between games has been kind of unbearable. And, you know, the playing games were exciting and the playoffs yesterday opening up, but you want your team to be opening up, right? Like, you, you waited long enough, not just the week, but eight years in a week to see the Knicks in a playoff game. So that obviously has been a major focus today. And I ran through... You know, the show so far and focused on the Knicks, obviously, and their run leading up to the playoffs because they are the team right now that is the talk of this town. Even with the baseball season going on, even with all the different things, the Islanders in the playoffs, all these different things going on, uh, the Knicks are still the story. Now, I did not focus on the Nets at all. Brooklyn won their first game uh, against the Celtics yesterday, 104-93. And, um, you know, kind of game where the Nets in the second half – you know, like when they have to put the pedal to the metal, they can certainly do that. They held the Celtics, I think, what was it, 40 points in the second half and the big three going off. Look, the Nets are going to, let me let you in behind the curtain. The Nets are going to roll through the Eastern Conference. For all, you know, in talk shows, people have throughout the course of the season kind of tried to devise ways that we can kind of um, make some sort of almost controversy surrounding the Nets, right? Like, well, you know, they have all these – these guys have been hurt. They've only played eight games together. Well, they're going to play games together in the postseason. I, I don't know. I kind of think that they'll be able to figure it out. Oh, you know, they don't play a whole lot of defense. Eh, I think when they need to play defense, they'll play defense. The Nets are going to roll through this Eastern Conference. And I would say I think there's a good chance that they go through the entire Eastern Conference – without really ever being forced into a big game. And, and to me, a big game is a crisis point, right? Like, you lose this game, and uh-oh, you're in trouble. I, I just don't see the Nets, as talented as they are, ever having that big game. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be proven wrong, and, and the one caveat, obviously, is not just that they're healthy now, they have to stay healthy, right? For, for guys who, who missed as much time as they, they missed, right? KD, 
missed more than half the season. Um, they have to now stay healthy. But this is their time. This is what you've been waiting for. You know, that old NFL Films clip of, of Bill Parcells on the side. Like, guys, this is why you lift all those weights, right? Like, last year was a lost season. You knew that going in because KD wasn't going to play the entire year, and last year Kyrie barely played. This year, the regular season was almost like an annoyance because you knew that the Nets were going to be one of the top seeds, and when those guys, first the two, and then when you add Harden the three, when those guys get together, it's very hard to find another team that can match up against them. So this year, with KD missing more than, than half the season, and Kyrie was here, he was there, Harden missed a bunch of time, they are about to show you just how mean it, and they treated it this way, how meaningless it all is, the regular season, because when you have three guys, it's very hard to envision a scenario, if those three guys are healthy, that some team is going to beat them four out of seven times. So they got the win yesterday. I would expect that this series is going to be kind of, look, it was not, they didn't blow them out by 40, but and I don't think that they're going to blow teams out by 40, but in terms of winning games and, and, and being in control of their fate throughout the Eastern Conference, especially, we'll see what happens when the finals get there and who they'll match up against. But there, there's not that many teams that I think could even put the Nets into a crisis point. And I don't really think that there's any in the Eastern Conference. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go back to the phones. We'll go to uh, Rich is in West New York. Rich, what's going on, pal? Hey, how's it going? I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the net because that's exactly what I was uh, calling about. Um, but you just said that uh, there would be um, no team in the Eastern Conference. What, what about the Knicks? You don't think the Knicks would give them? A crisis point? No, to me, like a crisis point is like, you know, you're, you're down 2-1 in the series. You know, you're, you're, it's game five and you drop a game five. The Knicks at this point, they're not at that stage. They can't compete against even the top three teams. And I think the Nets are the top team in the Eastern Conference. And the Nets might be the top team in the entire NBA. So, no, I don't think the Knicks are at that point. Now, could the Knicks win a game against the Nets if they play the playoff series? Yeah, I think they could probably take a game. But to actually force the Nets into a crisis point to me, no, I don't think the Knicks are that talented yet. So, I mean, I, I obviously agree, yeah, you know, being a Nets fan. But, you know, the thing is that, and, I, and again, I, I listen to talk radio. I've been listening to it for the past couple of weeks. And I appreciate the excitement from Knicks fans. Again, as a Nets fan, a couple of years ago, we were in a similar situation, you know, with a roster. We were the worst team in the NBA. And then, you know, we, we, we made our way into the playoffs. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it was really, I mean, it, it was meaningless. You used the word meaningless before. And I, oh, no, I don't think it was meaningless. I mean, it got, it got you to where you are now, right? Like, if the Nets didn't have the success that they had a couple of years ago, would Kevin Durant still pick Brooklyn? Um, I honestly, I don't think it had anything to do with that player. Because well, then, no then you're that saying that he's not telling here. the truth. Because well, he said I mean, that, like, he liked right. the, what they I were building. That's just narrative. What's that? I think that's just narrative. That, okay. That well. just, but I think they wanted to be in this market. I mean, you know, with all the things that they're into outside of basketball, mm-hmm. it makes sense that they would want to be in this market. But I don't think it had anything to do with the players that were there. And, again, I don't want to poo-poo anything that the Knicks are doing. It's great. Again, I, it did feel kind of cool. But at the end of the day, you know, basketball is about, you know, it's like the card game spades. I don't know if you're familiar with the game, but predicting your, your books. And, and the Knicks, like the Nets a couple of years ago, they just don't have any. I mean, Julius Randle may be a book. You know, he might be a player that you can rely on on a night-to-night basis. But 
They just don't have enough of those guys. Well, and, no, and, you know, Rich, they, they don't do, yet. They, they don't do, yet. This is the first you know. step. This is the this is just the beginning. Like I know, and thanks for the phone call. I know the Knicks have been terrible for a very long time, but this is really the first step in the rebuilding process, coming and, and bringing a level of competency to the organization. So yeah, they're going to have to undergo more changes before they can get to that championship level. Uh, and whether or not they ever get there, to be determined. But there's no one anywhere who would have told you that in year one, the Knicks would have gone from punchline to NBA afterthought to where they went to this year in with just a level of competency, just bringing in a coach who actually knows what he's doing, developing the players that were already on the rod. You know, it would be one thing if the Knicks made this big turnaround by going out and getting this guy and that guy and then bringing them in here, or they were a, you know, a, a, a veteran-laden team where they cashed out all their assets for the future and they brought in a bunch of veterans who are going to get you to the four seed, but that was their ceiling. The Knicks' ceiling is still to be determined. They still have tons of cap space. I think they have the most cap space in the league. They still have draft picks to come, theirs, other teams. And they have a front office that actually seems like that they might have the finger on the pulse, right? Like, think back before the trade deadline this year. A lot of Nick fans wanted to see where this season was going to play out. Let's not make any big drastic moves right now because let's see how this group plays together. And look at how it turned out. They won 16-20 to wrap up the regular season. They ended up as a four seed. Even at the trade deadline, that would have seemed like an impossibility. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Cam, what's going on? Kim's still there. Let's hey, there go, she is. Knicks. Hey. There you go, Cam. Are you pumped up for tonight there? Yo, we're pumped up. We can't wait. The Knicks are going to make it happen. Derek Rose, come on. Let's talk about that. Yeah, look, he's been Let's sensational, about- right? I mean, when right? you made the when they made the trade, you gave up nothing for him, and he has come in here and uh, been more much like the Knicks, right? Like even whatever your expectation level was, it has been exceeded by leaps and bounds. Same thing with Derrick Rose. You know, it seemed like yeah, you know, take a shot, maybe maybe he can come here and provide you some good minutes. He has been fantastic. It's unbelievable, yo. All I can say is going to be home. I wish I could be at the game, but who can afford a seat? Right. It's all right. Someone's making millions. You know what I'm saying? Right. I got you. I'm telling you, New York's going. New York's going. All right. Well, look, Kim, thank you for the phone call. Yeah. I mean, the Knicks are, it's exciting, right? I mean, this is what, this is the dream. You've been waiting for so long for the Knicks to get back into the postseason and not just be back in the postseason, but to have a legitimate shot, right? To, to win a playoff round, to, to, to do some damage. Now, look, I don't think that they're going to be going deep into the playoffs. I don't think that they could beat one of the top three teams. And really, to me, in the Eastern Conference, it's the top two teams. It's the, it's the Nets who are number one and then the Sixers. The Bucks to me, are kind of a little bit of a notch below that. I don't have a whole lot of faith in them. Uh, but I don't think the Knicks could, could beat the Bucks even in a series. But the Knicks are back in the playoffs. It's exciting to have. Whenever the Knicks are good, it's exciting to have them back, especially after the road that they've had to take here the last eight years. And really... Um, it's really been the last 20 years, right? Like they've won one playoff series the last 20 years. So even though they've made the playoffs, even before the 54 win year, they made the playoffs a couple of times. Unless you're, you're, you're winning a playoff round, it's not, it feels kind of like fool's gold, right? Because so many teams make the playoffs. 
So, so this year, it's the first year of the rebuilding, so it doesn't really – there's not any pressure, I don't think, where you have to win a playoff round. But most years, for it to be a successful year, you at least have to get to the second round of the playoffs. And the Knicks have not done that very often here in, in the last 20 years. So uh, obviously the excitement level for Knicks fans is uh, through the roof, and I am uh, pumped up to, to watch it tonight and, and pumped up to just see what that reaction is. And to see the playoff, the, the players' reaction to playoff intensity, 15,000 people in the building tonight, it is going to be absolutely uh, sensational. All right, so I did want to touch on some other things as well. We'll continue to focus on the Knicks for the callers there, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. We've got the Mets, we've got the Yankees, both in action right now. Uh, and what the Mets have done Talk about resiliency. They have been fantastic here with all the injuries and, and all the players hurt. Conforto hurt. McNeil hurt. Uh, Nimmo's been out for a very long time. Jacob deGrom hurt, comes back, hurt again. And for them to, to be winning games as they are right now is important. It, it shows you that when these guys eventually get back and get, get healthy, that they are going to be one of these, these teams in the East, in the uh, National League East. I was about to say Eastern Conference. In the National League East that can compete and contend this year for a division title. You know, we went into the season thinking, wow, the National League East, what a tough division. It's actually been a very bad division. There's not one team there that has been able to find their way. Now, you think that eventually the Braves are, are going to get moving here and the Braves are going to find their way. But the fact that the Mets have been able to do this and, and, and not get an overwhelming lead, but play as well as they've had, they have had, uh, despite all these injuries, is, is an important stretch of the season. So we'll see if they can continue to do it and we'll see just when they are going to get healthy again. But obviously with me, being a Yankee fan, obviously the, the focus is always going to be more on them. And right now, Mets-Marlins, uh, they are scoreless in the second. Marlins threatening with um, bases loaded. The Yankees, they have a 2-0 lead on the White Sox as they uh, try to do it again to Chicago. And uh, the, the Yankees' run that they have had here after the way they opened the season has been fantastic. To be winning, despite the offense still not turning the corner, it has been unexpected, right? To be being carried by your starting pitching. We, we talk about the, the surprise of the Knicks season. How many people this year thought that the Yankees at any point would be carried by their starting pitching? And, and now what you're seeing is some guys are start, some of the guys that have struggled are, are starting to find their way. Glaber Torres coming into today, eight for his last 14, couple extra base hits, had another extra base hit today. So he's starting to become Glaber again. And, and that's important because he, he's one of the guys you are relying on. You know, there, there's other guys. You know, if Clint Frazier never gets going this year, uh, I, I think that there's ways that the Yankees can figure out their way around that. If Glaber Torres does not get going, there's not really a way that the Yankees can figure out their way around that. Take a look. Even when he was struggling as badly as he was struggling, they didn't have a real answer for that. So for Glaber now to get uh, Glabering, is, uh, is important, and at least we don't have to read about how uh, the Yankees need to make a trade for Trevor Story or that Glaber Torres can't possibly play shortstop and all these things that I pointed out at the time were ridiculous. And I do think that the Yankees are going to have to make some changes at some point because now with Aaron Hicks being out for the year, uh, you, you, you can't be playing 
uh, Brett Gardner in center field every single day. And, and what I'm wondering, and I don't know that there's any way to know this right now, the Yankees' number one goal coming into this year was not so much to win the championship or win the division. It was that they had put forth a plan, clearly, that they were not going to exceed the luxury tax threshold. They were going to make sure that they stayed below that number, reset the whole payroll tax, all, all that type of stuff, and that they were not going to exceed that number. You wonder now, as this team has the, the possible makings of a team that is, 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 is on the cusp of making like that deep playoff run that you've been expecting, right? They're smack dab in the window of their opportunity right now, but they have some clear holes with Hicks being out, center field is now a major hole that they, look, they, they, can, they can solve it internally. They can make a little move here or there to just find somebody to, to play center field on a, on a day-in, day-out basis. And if everyone else uh, in the offense is rolling, you can get by without having some big piece in center field. It's just, I wonder now with the success that the starting pitchers have had, the way the bullpen has been able to be lights out even without Zach Britton, whether or not that might make them kind of reevaluate the staying under the luxury tax threshold. I, I would think that they're not going to readjust that now and that they'll just kind of find their way. But it does kind of make you wonder because there's a gaping hole there that they don't have anybody on the roster or really within the organization. You'd say, well, clearly, if, if Esteban Florial was the piece that I think a lot of fans think that they, that he is at this point, I think that it would be, he would be up here. Right. But it's pretty clear with just the little moves that the Yankees have made. They want to give him more seasoning at AAA, even with the success that he's had at AAA. So I'll be interested to see what that, what moves and, and what ways around the issue that they have in center field and just with the offense in general moving forward, because that's been the thing that I've, I've always kind of said even when they were talking about, well, you know, bring in Trevor Story or ways to fix the offense, the number one goal is to stay under the luxury tax threshold. So it's going to be tough, next to impossible, to make a move for a big-name player or a big-contract player when they're not, they don't have that much wiggle room to operate with. So that's the one thing. The second thing, yesterday Garrett Cole goes out there and just pitches a masterpiece again. And I think everybody's kind of brought this up. I certainly have with Larry at night. Garrett Cole has been everything the Yankees thought they were getting. In, in free agency, in baseball, I guess in every sport, but especially in baseball, there is a lot of buyer's remorse, right? There's a lot of, especially when you're signing guys to big-time contracts or you're, you're taking on a big-time contract. Giancarlo Stanton, a perfect example. You think the Yankees have a little bit of buyer's remorse, even though they didn't pay anything in terms of uh, uh, players to, to bring in Giancarlo Stanton, but as hurt as he has been, as many games as he has missed, and with the contract that he has. Aaron Hicks, another perfect example. And that wasn't really a free agent move. They were already on the team, but that contract that he signed with the Yankees, that the Yankees gave him seven years for a guy who has missed a lot of time, a contract that still has four more years left on it after this year, and he's missed as much time. So with free agency, with contracts and baseball, there's a lot of buyer's remorse. And for Cole, he is not yet, even with last year with what he did, and this year, he's not thrown a full season, even yet, for the Yankees. 
But I do think it's important to recognize what we are witnessing in real time. He has been already one of the most dominant pitchers that the Yankees have ever had. This year through 10 starts, last year the numbers that he put up, you go through Yankee history, you would be hard-pressed to find anybody. Certainly the last 40 years, Ron Guidry is the one guy you can say, 1978, who had a season of a lifetime. That's how long it has been. And I brought this up on Twitter yesterday. Is Cole one of the most dominant starting pitcher the Yankees have ever had in their uniform? Now, obviously, he has to keep doing it. And people kept going, well, Ron Guidry, Ron Guidry. Yeah, that was 1978, people. I know it doesn't feel like it to some of us who are old. 1978 is a very long time ago. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN.